0: Irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio.
1: You're listening to Answers for the Family with Alan Cardoza. Right here on LA Talk Radio.
2: Greetings to all of you listening around the world, and a warm welcome as we bring you another edition of the Answers for the Family radio show. I'm your host, Alan Cardoza, and if you're a regular listener, thank you for joining us once again. If this is your first time, please make yourself at home as we bring you Answers for the Family. Now, each week, this show will address issues such as locating a runaway teen, family crisis intervention, building self-esteem, dealing with addictions, lasting health, and so much more. Now, having over 30 years' experience working with families in crisis, I've been fortunate to meet and work with some of the top professionals in many of the helping fields and skilled authors who are working to make this world a better place for all of us. Now, you can all do me a big favor, so please check out some of our past shows at answersforthefamily.com to hear some informative and entertaining guests as well as some dynamic co-hosts. They're going to discuss ways for you and your loved ones to become happier, healthier, and more at peace. And I'm also looking for some show ambassadors who will forward at least one of our shows to your social media group or someone you know who can benefit from a particular subject. I want you to know that I truly appreciate it and this is just another way that we make a positive difference in the lives of others. Now, with me today as co-host is Gabriella Von Ray. And she is the founder of the Dare to Be Kind movement. And Gabriella has been on the road filming Since early November Now she is speaking to groups And she's interviewing people From all walks of life Who have taken up the dare to be kind challenge Of one act of kindness In a two mile radius And to highlight She's going to highlight to everyone Just how kindness begins In your own neighborhood So my question to her is Gabriella, where in the world are you? (laughs)
3: I'm in Illinois, which isn't far from Iowa. I'm in Moline, which is four cities into one. And, um, yeah, always on the road, just like you said. And I wanted to say, just before I say what the Dare to Be Kind movement is, that I'm so appreciative uh, to you, Alan, for having me as a co-host from time to time and being such a big fan of the Dare to Be Kind movement. It's um, very very kind of you.
2: (laughs) Well, thank you. It is truly my pleasure. And, And when I started this show, part of it was to be able to get the word out to people in different ways in which they can help themselves with the ways in which they can help their family. And what you're doing is exactly what it is that, that I want to get out. It's, it's one of the ways in which you can make a difference. Uh, everybody out there can make a difference. And at a time in which there is there's so much um, diversity and, and, and negativity that's being uh, thrust upon us from so many different ways, Uh, I want to give as much attention as possible to the things that you're doing and people like yourself that are out there doing positive things that are trying to make a difference in this world in a very positive way. So thank you for that. I I, I appreciate what you're saying to me. And and I'm glad that I can be here behind the mic and doing this. But but, but you've, you've 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 dedicated your life. I mean, you've literally taken you're taking two years out of your life to go out there and to spread this word. So uh, any way that I can help, uh, I'm pleased to do so.
3: Well, I think um, it is awesome for me to be on with the guest of today because uh, she cares for children that have been abused and abandoned. And maybe some people remember when it was my interview. I'm very, very passionate that we have, that we help children as young as we can get to them, because the moment we nurture and help them to feel that they are capable and worthy human beings, we have truly the leaders of tomorrow. So when I'm out there on the road, and I just wanted to tell you something, uh, I have seen so many students, you know, uh, Alan, in the last few few weeks. And one of the things was really funny. During a Rotary meeting, I met uh, by accident one of the students that had heard me talk at her school. Mm-hmm. And uh, she came up to me really shyly and said, we've enjoyed the talk on kindness and communication so much. And she, she said that. So I my response was, thank you so much. And what is the part you love the most? And she answered... Your story. And Mm -hmm. so I realize again how important it is that we communicate our stories because within the pain and the vulnerability in us telling the story, there is not only healing for us, but there is a sense of somewhere out there uh, internationally that is listening to you today, Alan, that now does not feel so alone. And that is the same thing that we're trying to do in the TV show and in the filming that we're doing for the Dare to Be Kind movement. When they connect with the story, with the emotion that resonates in them, they know that they are not alone. And it is something that I know that you know of, that children always think that they're the only one, you mm-hmm. know. They're the only one that are, you know, don't let's not talk about it because, oh my God, nobody's ever heard of this. Right yep and they're the only one that has a parent that hits them or that is abusive, or they're the only one that has a parent that maybe takes substance abuse or but if they communicate with people like yourself and our guests today, then we 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 can truly open up the dialogue for for healing on both sides, i think, and i I realized while looking at your your guest bio—that I think uh, the show will all be about healing today, healing and helping children to find their incredible might.
2: I love that. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. Um, and and again, and as I was doing doing the same thing, not only going over our guest bio, but going into some of the uh, the statistics and the things that are that are going on out there. You know, mm-hmm. I was struck by one, a, a disturbing statistic that was brought to my attention is that over 400,000 children each year are not mm-hmm. able to live with their families due to abuse, neglect, or abandonment. I mean, you know, th- these are things that, you know, that it's out there. You know, we're, you know th- they don't talk about it on the news. They don't put it out there. They don't put out things like, how can we help, um, you know, Instead, you know, we're fortunate enough to have, you know, guests like Cheryl today uh, that are out there doing something about it. So that's what our topic is going to be today, because it's going to point directly towards the issue of caring for those children. So let me share a little bit about our guest. Our guest is Cheryl Ofstedal. And, you know, as I looked into it, I realized this is the picture of success. She's a revered stand-up comic, multi-talented business leader who is also a long-standing champion for disabled children. Now, her agency, Trinity Youth Services, is a recognized foster care and, uh, and adoptions agency focusing throughout uh, Southern California and Houston, Texas. Now, since Trinity's inception, over 65,000 youth have been saved. Think about that. Now, Trinity is... Com- they're committed to saving even more youth so that they will have the opportunity to have a nurturing family. Now, as I learned more about Cher, I learned that for her, having a supportive chosen family was ultimately what she believed saved her own life. Well, I got to tell you, to me, Cher is an inspiration to our community, and I'm glad that she could be with us to share her story, Trinity's story, and discuss how adoption changes lives and how people can become. Foster or adoptive parents. So, share. Welcome to Answers for the Family.
0: Thank you so much, Alan and Gabrielle. It's, it's really great to be with you today.
2: Well, uh, as Gabriela said, you know, having her on with this, I thought was just such a perfect combination um, because, like yourself, you know, she has she has gone through uh, you know, some of these things and has realized the value of it. So. Um, so Sherry, I think if we could start with, um, and I realize that with all your outward success, I think that that also helps because for somebody out there, as Gabriella mentioned before, that idea of I'm not alone is huge, but I think it's also the fact that here is somebody who may have gone through some of the same things and has succeeded. So if you're comfortable with it, can you share your journey that eventually brought you to that place of, of self love and empowerment?
0: Of course, and as you said, uh, these children out there who are feeling so alone, when you look at the number, that 400,000 children, as you spoke of that statistic, are currently unable to live in their homes because of abuse, abandonment, or neglect. Um, It's a strikingly large number. And my story is probably like many out there, I was born the unloved child of an unloved child. Some of this is very generational. Uh, My mother was adopted when she was five years old. Her mother gave her up for adoption because her father, my grandfather, had committed suicide. Um, My grandmother was still a young woman. She had five children under the age of seven. And her family convinced her that the only way she would be able to have a life for herself was if she gave her children up and started over completely. She was still young enough to find a good husband, and she could have a life. So she gave up her five children. They were adopted out to different homes. My mother and two of her siblings were taken into a home um, through a member of their local church. And these people were... Very civic-minded. They thought it was their civic responsibility to take in these children. However, they had no parenting skills, uh, no love for the children that they brought into their home. They were brought up in a very strict environment, and my mom couldn't wait to get out. She married young, as soon as she could, uh, a boy that she had dated a few times in high school, They got married, they had two children very quickly, and were divorced by the time I was four years old. My mother, at that point in time, uh, took a job at a local bar, dancing, and she started drinking. She was self-medicating for the fact that she felt overwhelmed having these children, no support system in her life, no love in her life. And she took it out on her children. We were beaten regularly. Um, She was negligent in the fact that she would work all night, not come home until 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. She would then go to sleep. My brother and I, as young as 5 and 6, were getting ourselves up and ready for school. Um, We would walk a mile and a half to school. Many times I went without shoes on my feet, I went without combing my hair. And it was through the kindness and love of teachers first where I began to develop some sort of sense of self. Uh, I remember a teacher very clearly, Mrs. Barlow, who in first grade bought a pair of shoes to keep under my desk for me because she knew I would walk to school barefoot most days. She would get to school early so she could take me into the bathroom and comb my hair and wash my face. Um, This act of kindness made me feel like I was loved and that I was not an outcast amongst my peers. As time went on, she turned me over each year to the next teacher in the next grade and made sure to tell them what my home story was, and these teachers all looked out for me. So I was able to build a community through school. I was so involved in my education. When I went to high school, eventually, um, my mother had remarried, and she had married a man who sexually abused me. So I stayed at school as late as I could every single day. I got involved in clubs and in theater and in anything that would keep me away from my household. And eventually, my theater teacher found out what was going on in my life and he assisted me in legally emancipating myself from my family and he and his wife became my legal guardians until I graduated from high school. Mm -hmm. So I know there are a lot of kids out there who feel that they're the only ones who deal with abuse at home and it is truly horrifying to know that there's no one you can talk to. You can't tell your friends and you can't you don't think you can go to a teacher, but you have to be able to go to an adult of some kind and share your story.
2: You know, one of the things that I want to mention, if I don't know if anybody caught it, but uh, well, I'm sure lots of people did, and that is um, a thank you to Mrs. Barlow. <laughs> um,
0: Absolutely. Y-
2: you know, one of the things that we do here at the radio station is that they, they tell me what my demographics are. And the largest... Group of people that we have are teachers that choose to listen to this show, and God I a, bless them all. <laughs> absolutely, that's exactly what I was what I was thinking. Is is that you know I I'm so thankful to them, and and that is that is the type of teachers that we want out there. Those are the people that are that are truly making a difference with our young people, and I'm just honored that when I was told by you know our our uh, engineers here that said that you know, that our largest group are teachers. So the fact that they want to listen to this show, uh, you know, just really makes me feel good. It tells me that, that we're bringing on the type of people that they want to hear so that they can help. So, again, I just I wanted to throw that in and, and thank all of the teachers out there because that's what we're trying to do. We're all trying to make a positive difference, uh, you know, in the lives of others, and that starts with young people.
0: Oh, and my teachers literally saved my life.
3: That is so beautiful. I, I was listening to your story when you were saying that, Cher, and uh, that that absolutely warms my heart. That that teacher not only did that, but she took the responsibility of telling the next teacher and the next person. You know, not just not just because she has you as a student, but she made sure you were okay for the next, uh, you know, the next school year. I, oh, I always- it was.
0: Teachers- it was as if the school raised me.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I get it. It's that, that is what's so beautiful. Do, would you agree with my term that I'm starting to hone in on uh, in the last few months that I'm traveling? I'm starting to call teachers first responders because they see things that in general is more and more prevalent with which is abuse neglect et cetera, that we see in children but they are the first responders of these children would you agree with that
0: absolutely 100% i mean not only are teachers mandated reporters when they suspect child abuse is going on but just the caring nature of the teachers that i experienced in my lifetime they intervened even when Child Protective Services failed. Wow. Wow, I, I really, really love that.
3: All right, I'm, I'm switching over to a question that I'm dying to ask you, Cher. Okay, children, how are they placed with your group at Trinity? How, how, how does this happen? Because, you know, for the listener too, we don't always know that.
0: We actually get children a couple of different ways. Uh, We get children directly through the Social Services Department of California or Texas, and those are kids who have come to the court's attention because of a Child Protective Services intervention. Uh, They've been removed from their homes due to that direct physical abuse, emotional abuse, sexual abuse, and Child Protective Services have stepped in. The other way that we get kids is through the court adjudication process, where kids have run afoul of the law in some way, either through uh, stealing a car or tagging or minor theft, and the courts have determined that their home environment is what has led to this, because those kids have been left to raise themselves.
3: Wow.
2: You know, at share, you know, I'm I'm also told that, that Trinity offers extensive, extensive, or extended uh, mental health services. Um, you know, if the need is identified, what are the next steps, uh, and and who funds it? And when we're talking about extended mental health services, is this just for the children, or is it including the rest of the family?
0: That's a great question. Um, every kid that comes to us, whether they come to us through social services or through the court system comes to us with trauma because just the act of being removed from a life that you've known will be a traumatic event. But many of these kids, because of the abuse or the neglect that they've suffered, have very serious mental health issues. They suffer from depression, anxiety, they want to do self-harm, and these are all things that we really need to take care of if we're going to take care of the whole child. Sorry, I'm getting a little emotional here because I I understand that um, not a lot of people do really think about the fact that foster children come to us with these really deep traumatic wounds that have to be healed if the child is going to move forward in their life. Mm -hmm. But we assess every child that comes to us. We do a full comprehensive mental health assessment. And then we determine how those needs can best be met. We have professional therapists, we have social workers, we have psychiatrists, in the rare case that children need to be medicated, although we look at that as a, an intervention of last resort. But then we apply those supports to the child, whether they're in a residential treatment setting mm-hmm. or they're in a private family setting as a foster child. Um, the tab for that is picked up through contracts with the counties that we serve, as well as through our own programs because what the counties don't pay for, we go out and fundraise for.
2: And and how can people help in that area?
0: Well, we have a sister agency, which is called the Children's Foundation of America, and they actually provide all of those things for kids living in out-of-home placement that the county contracts or the government don't pay for, and those are things as small as, contact lenses for a child who's being bullied because they have to wear really thick glasses. The county contracts only pay for an actual glasses exam and glasses. They don't pay for contact lens exams or contact lenses. But if you can save a child from being bullied, Mm -hmm. um, that's something that the foundation will pick up. Or little things like a cap and gown for graduation or a yearbook. Anything that will normalize a child's experience, and that really helps with their mental health issues. They also pay for the additional group therapy and family therapy that will help a child be reunited with their family. So it's really, really a wonderful foundation, and you can get to them through childrensfoundationofamerica.org
2: Alright, so I, for everybody out there um, if, if you're driving um, and you can't, <laughs> you're not able to write that down, um, you know, go ahead and go to the Answers for the Family site we will have it posted on our site as well, um, but yeah whatever it is that you can do, please do so
3: And then I, ha- I have a question about um, the services and the type of Family um, that you help. So let's say that I decide to be a foster parent, right? That someone decides that listens to this show decides to be a foster parent. What what is the ideal family, and what kind of help do you
0: provide this family while they that's can a foster? That's child? another really really excellent question because almost anyone who has a sincere desire to help a child find a forever home
2: mm-hmm. is a
0: perfect foster parent. You do need to be 21 years of age, and you need to have the ability, physically, emotionally, and financially, to care for a child in your home. But you don't have to be a you don't have to own a house. You can be a renter. You can live in an apartment. It doesn't have to be a house with a big yard. Okay. You don't have to be married. You can be single. You can be any race, any religion. You can be straight or gay. Um, you can be someone who's never had a child of your own. You can have other children in your home. You can be an empty nester. You could be a grandparent age and still be a perfect foster parent. As long as you have love in your heart and you can pass required background and home safety inspection checks, we would encourage anyone to at least come to a foster parent orientation and learn what it would be to be a foster parent
3: wow i i i honest i'm I'm really glad with your answer because I had in my head like this typical family you know a dad and a mom, but um I know that uh people that have are empty nesters they sometimes you know really have that love and that nurture already within them and would love to continue that so i'm I'm glad to hear that they're part of that that they can be foster
0: parents too. Absolutely. And and we'd really encourage those empty nesters because a lot of times they may be nearing retirement age even. And those families where we have children with a higher level of need, um, if a parent is able to stay home with those kids, that's even better. Okay.
2: You know, and we, we have a question that has come in that, that I, you may have just answered, but um, I'll go ahead and put it out there. Uh, but it says, my husband and I can't have children, but are considering becoming foster parents. It says, I am wondering how many foster children are ultimately adopted by the foster families and how difficult the process is. We would most certainly love to, to give a child or two a loving long-term home. And this is from Jenny in New York.
0: Well, that's great, Jenny. (laughs) Wonderful question. Um, Currently, about 56% of children who are placed in foster care for any length of time are ultimately reunited with their families. However, of that other 44% that are not reunited, over half of those kids ultimately come adopted. So the process, at least with our agency, is very easy. If you, are, um, if you go through the process of becoming a foster parent, you've already gone through the process of becoming an adoptive parent. So it's your choice. Okay. If the foster child is a good fit in your home, the process is very easy. It requires about six months of having that child in your home to make sure that it is a good, cohesive family. And then the adoption process is complete. We help with all of the finances. So there's not an outrageous cost to it. You do have to pay for um, having a fire inspection in your home. But if that's something that costs too much, we would even help with those costs. So there's not a lot of -of out-of-pocket money. It's really just putting in the time with that child to make sure that it's not going to be a situation where the child is abandoned once again.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: Uh, share now do do you you work in conjunction with with groups like um, like safe families or Olive Crest where they might have started a process um, you know temporarily and then and then your people then take over how does that work
0: yes well Olive Crest is um, an agency just like our own Um, I don't believe they have an adoption component but we are a certified adoption agency so with any Foster family agency, if they don't have that adoption piece, they would then transition the child and family to one of our adoption workers.
2: That's kind of <coughs> what I was thinking, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, they would still have their same social worker, so they would still have the Olive Crest social worker, but we would take on the overarching adoption piece.
2: So I love that. It's yeah, there's a lot of loving agencies out there for the, for people to work with and you know and and everybody can work together um because we're all trying to make a positive difference. So it makes good makes good sense. Um so Gabriella and then you had a question. Go ahead.
3: Yes, absolutely. I I wonder if uh if you could explain some of the hurdles that the foster parents Uh, might face when wanting to become a certified foster parent. And would that be something uh, that we need to put in the the limelight there? Because if your answer is actually positive to my question, is that something that would keep other people from fostering uh, a child just because the word kind of goes around that it's really difficult you know what I mean? There's sometimes um, this, this sense, when I walk around and I talk about, you know children and all that, people say, "I'd love to take them, but you know what? It's way too
0: difficult these processes. And I'm not going to say that it's the easiest thing in the world, because there is a lot of training involved. Yeah. So a lot of people find that up, upfront time commitment, Yeah very, um, it it does cut into your home life. I mean, before you can take a child into your home, there's 40 hours of training that you need to go through. But that 40 hours can be done over whatever length of time you find convenient. It's Mm -hmm. not that they all need to be taken within the first month or two months. Okay. There is a lot of paperwork involved. You do have to have homeowner's insurance and car insurance. And there is a worker that will come to your house and make sure that your home is a safe environment for a child. And a lot of people find the process to be intrusive. But when oh, you consider that we're giving you a child mm-hmm. to take into your home, I, I mean, I know a lot of pet adoption agencies now will come to your house and make sure you have a good, loving household before they'll even give you a pet. Uh, the, <laughs> process for having a child is understandably a little more intrusive.
3: But may, may I say, my uh, uh, I just observe here that you just had 40 hours or 48 hours. That's nothing. That's nothing. Uh, it, it, are, it is nothing. It takes longer to get my driver's license and to sit at the DMV um, <laughs> to get one the first time. Come on. Uh, right.
0: So, but that's really the biggest hurdle most people talk about is that it's just so time intensive before they actually get to have a child in their home.
3: Should we but have that's that same,
0: for same a reason? Process,
3: should we have that same process share for
0: biological parents? Oh, I've said that <laughs> for a long time. Or or am I, I now mean,
3: way off mark here?
0: No, I I I've, I've always thought that is that, you know, just like getting married, um It takes three days to get a marriage license some places, and that's a long time. And it takes no time at all to actually procreate and create a child. And yet it takes up to six months to foster a child and up to six months to actually get a divorce. So those two things, the things that should be easier to do, Mm -hmm. uh, take the longest and the things that should be harder to do, making those decisions up front to enter into a marriage or to have children of your own, those should be decisions that take a long time and a lot of training before you commit to that. Because those are two things that should last a lifetime. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. Okay, we're going to take a break. For everybody out there, uh, please stay with us. And if you would like to follow along, um, you can do that as well. Uh, You can go to... um, it's um trinityys.org so that's t-r-i-n-i-t-y and then ys.org. you can open up if you're at your desk you can open up another window you can follow along but stay with us we'll be right back you're listening to answers for the family
1: founded over 30 years ago to meet the needs of families in crisis Shield has continually focused on resolving issues that negatively impact families and businesses. Our signature therapeutic transportation service helps to ensure that adolescents in crisis are safely transported to specialized schools, programs, and treatment centers with unsurpassed experience and success. We are supported by our full-service licensed investigation agency that has legally, professionally, and compassionately located hundreds of runaways and teens. We are experienced and qualified to help, offering solutions which may include referrals to our international network of top professionals in the fields of educational consulting, psychology, psychiatry, and investigations. Simply put, West Shield Adolescent Services and West Shield Investigations are the best solutions when your family is facing a personal crisis. Call 1 800 899 8585, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. 1 800 899 8585 or visit our website at westshield.com. Thank you.
2: And we're back. Gabrielle and I are here. We are speaking to Cheryl Osterall, and she is with Trinity Youth Services. And and we're talking about adoption, we're talking about foster care, and we're talking about love. Uh, So, with that in mind, Cheryl, what are some of the traits that you find that successful foster parents have and how does a person know that fostering is right for them?
0: I truly think that the most important trait for any foster parent is that they think about it, about it first because it is a commitment. It is a, in the best cases, a lifelong commitment, a lifelong support system for that child. In the worst cases, you could have a child for a month or two months before they're reunified with their family, so that that process alone can be very difficult on foster parents. Um, you just get connected to that child and then they're removed and taken back into their own families. So. It's a mindset. It's a real deep commitment to whatever is best for the child. Mm-hmm. So it's taking yourself, not out of the but putting yourself second so that however it turns out for that child or whatever that child needs, you're putting that child first.
2: Now, how how often do the foster parents stay in contact um, with the child or with the family, uh, and is that something that is uh, that is normal? Is it something that most parents are comfortable with when their child is returned to them?
0: It It is normal. I don't have an exact statistic of how many foster parents stay in contact with their foster children. However, we encourage foster parents to act as role models for the biological mm-hmm. families, for those children who are looking at reunification as their their goal. So we have the foster parents sit in on visitations. We have them talk to the parents about their child, let them know what their child is experiencing, what they love about their new life. They help those biological parents get their lives back together. They give them parenting skills. Some have taught them how to cook, how to clean their houses, little things like that just so they can get their children back. They work as a team and in the best cases, the foster parent stays in that child's life even after they've gone back to their, their biological family and becomes a support system for them as they get older. Wow. Um
3: is you you said earlier about the statistics of adoption, right? And yes. that that, you know, they are returned quite often. But um I lost my train of thought there. <laughs> it will come back. <laughs> uh, I was thinking so hard of that question that it just went out of, in and out of my brain now. Um, but when that child uh, is adopted, is, is it in a period, I, I've heard about this, that's why I'm asking this, like, let's say a foster parent has had for two years, a long period, this child, and it gets adopted, is there a period that the, the biological parents can actually uh, undo this and can still fight
0: to have their child back?
3: Even though there's no. Um,
0: at least not in the state of California, that's not the case. Once a parent's rights have been terminated, okay. then that child becomes eligible for adoption. Oh. So um, we don't actually put children into the adoptive process until the parents' rights have been terminated. I love that. Okay,
3: I was not sure of that because I've heard of some of these stories in Europe and I did not know that they wouldn't even be eligible. So that that answers my question totally. And then my second question is the age group. What is the age group that Trinity has the children that they place?
0: Oh, we we take children as young as three days old, straight from the hospital, especially kids who are born to um, uh, substance-addicted parents. So we've taken many, many children who have been born with uh, cocaine in their systems or meth in their systems, and uh, we take them straight from the hospital. We also take kids up to the age of 21, especially if they have a very high level of need and are not capable of being, um, of living on their own independently, those children can stay in foster care up to the age of 21.
2: Okay. So, so, and um, I think...
3: Every
0: range.
2: Yeah, I was going to say yeah, it's, that is quite a range. It's a huge range.
0: range. Um, the median age for a child in foster care currently in the United States is eight years old. But we work with kids at every single age.
2: Now, um are, are foster parents paid, and if so, how does that, uh, how does that work?
0: Foster parents do receive financial support. Um, it comes to them through the, the contracts with the counties. Um, but the thing that foster parents or prospective foster parents need to bear in mind is that money is to offset what it actually takes to provide for that individual child, The stipend or the reimbursement that you'll receive as a foster parent is not enough to quit your job and, and, you know, live as if it's an income. That's why we make it an eligibility requirement that foster parent be able to handle their own financial obligations before they can become a foster parent. So it shouldn't be a financial burden to you to take another child into your home we make sure of that but it's also not um we've had lots of people who contact us when they're out of work and think well i could just you know take a couple foster kids into my home and that'll be my job but that's that's not the way the system works and for good reason we don't want people making it about the money
2: exactly so we have another question that has come in, and this one reads, uh, does Trinity work with families uh, to help them get through, and it's underlined, you know, any difficult times and reunite children with their parents. And it says a friend of mine um, who's a friend of the family lost uh, lost her husband in a car accident. He was in serious financial uh, distress and sec- uh, Let's see. Wait a minute. Okay. Uh, anyway, yeah, they were in serious financial distress and succumbed to an an opiate addiction uh, after a back injury. Her two children, ages seven and nine, were put into the foster care system after uh, a neglect and drug use complaint came in from neighbors. Since this happened, she has successfully completed treatment, has a steady job, uh, but still has been unsuccessful in getting her children back. She was told she needed to hire an attorney to intervene but can't afford this. Uh, It seems unfair. What is your experience, and have you seen uh, uh, situations like this? And if so, what do you suggest? And this is from Lucy in Alabama.
0: Um, It's an interesting question that Lucy poses. Um, I don't have enough of the specifics um, to know whether or not the family had had their parental rights terminated at any time during the process. That would be key. Um, that would be why a lawyer might need to be called in order to um, reverse that decision if the courts had, had terminated the parental rights. Other than that, it sounds as if it's the perfect scenario for a reunification. If the parent had gone through treatment and successfully completed that, if they were clean and sober now, if they had gotten their finances back in order and had a suitable living arrangement, and like I said, that doesn't have to be anything fancy—just a home, a, a, a roof over their heads. Uh, basically, uh, we definitely support reunification when it's appropriate. Okay. So the only sense. thing I could um, suggest for them is. Uh, really working with the court system and working with the foster family themselves. That's that really important bridge piece in working in supervised visitation with that family that currently has the child and getting them to be your support system.
3: Okay. I have a question for you, Cher, and uh, it's more on a personal level because I I kind of feel kinship to you because we've been in some of the same situations. And I always say that, you know, when you take your pain and make it into your greatest strength, you and everyone else that does that are the cause's best ally. And I believe you are definitely Trinity's best ally here and the children's best ally because of your situation. But would you... I mean, I, I know you touched on that part of, of school, but your young adulthood, what kept you going and what ultimately made you heal and then
0: want to go out and help others? Um, a lot of therapy, in my case, helped me. Okay. Um, it was something that I was afraid to do at first, but as an adult, um, I really embraced that. I knew that I needed help. I had, um, considered suicide twice myself and suffered from major depression. And so I got into therapy and I worked very hard and made it my mission that, um, when I wanted to have my own child, that I would make sure she never went one day of her life without knowing how much she was loved and wanted and chosen and that really got me through, making that my purpose. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I had my own child and saw that that could happen, doesn't mean we didn't fight like cats and dogs. Um, she's a spectacular 27-year-old woman now. And we had our moments, but never one day, not one day, did I not tell her how much I loved her and wanted her and chose to have her. And then... I made that a larger mission for every child that I could help. Like, I want to make sure that children know, no matter what happens in their lives, no matter how dire or dark their home experience is, there are people out there willing and able to love them and surround them with that love, and that will help them get through their lives.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. That's very beautiful. Uh, thank you for sharing that because I, I think often it's the motivator, right, afterwards that we don't really know in people's stories how they how they push forward. So thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate it.
2: Now, Cheryl, how, how do you balance? Now, we've, we've got about four more minutes, but how do you balance? Because I think so many people out there, you know, we... It, we would love to be able to do more to help but then there's this balance of well you know we need to make a living we need to uh, we need to pay the bills we need we're putting kids in school and so on and so forth um how have you managed to balance your career uh and all of the wonderful work that you're doing with trinity
0: well i don't sleep much for one thing <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry but it's it's awesome. it's the passion for the work i'm really lucky i'm i'm the most blessed person in the world because I get to come to work every day where my heart lives. Mm -hmm. So that's amazing for me. Um, And I really prioritize things in my life. I make sure that it's a purpose driven life and not in any spiritual or religious sense, but in just a personal passion sense that I want what I do on this planet for whatever time I have to be important work mm-hmm. and purposeful and impact positively the lives of others.
2: Well, I think you're, you're preaching to the choir because, you know, I, as you're talking, I'm sitting here thinking that, you know, I think we're all part of the same tribe. Uh, so the best thing that yep. we can do is continue to get the word out to more people out there, uh, you know, that, um, that it's a good feeling. You know and, yeah, you, and, and, can,
0: you can find a million reasons not to take on uh, the burden of uh, someone else's troubles, but there's just one really good reason to do it, and that's yep. because it matters. Mm-hmm.
3: Absolutely. I have a, one more question left real quickly. I'm looking at the website of Trinity and the Children's Foundation of America. So you you are located in California, right?
0: We are. We're headquartered in Claremont, California, which is in Southern California, just at the oh. outskirts of L.A., but we are a national organization.
3: And is that where the children are?
0: No, actually... We have children all over the place. We do have three major residential treatment campuses for children who have been so traumatized that they cannot be placed in a traditional family setting yet. Mm -hmm. So they have more around-the-clock care and additional mental health services. Um, And then we have foster families throughout Southern California and throughout Houston, Texas. And we have um, offices that our social workers work out of, but they do that work in the home with the families.
3: Okay. well, the reason I'm asking is because in my world tour, I will be in L.A. area and seeing my big friend Alan, of course, (laughs) and uh, in May. And I would love to stop in and see some of the children and maybe be a volunteer for a day or two. I will roll the red
0: carpet out for you. You just give me (laughs) a time and place.
3: Okay, lovely because I'd love to come and maybe share to them a little bit. I have a children's book I can read to them depending on the age or the reason I'm saying that is because you know, I I I, I was talking the other day to children that um are from the LGBT community and I realized that you know, they they have their parents but they go through a, a huge Abandonment issue because the parents reject them for being transgender or for wanting to be gay or any of these reasons. Right. And they yes. have such a hard mindset to understand that they're rejected and um, they have such anger. Right. About that. And they do. I must say I'm have- to them and I've, I've made a little bit of impact with them.
0: We have a tremendous need right now for parents, foster parents who are accepting and tolerant of the LGBTQ community, as well as LGBTQ parents themselves. We would love to have some same sex couples who would take in some of these children. We have a a huge number of children who are LGBTQ uh, who are waiting for homes because there are some hurdles for them. And, um, there are a lot of families out there who don't agree with that lifestyle or haven't learned to accept or aren't sure how they would fit into their own home with their own children. Mm-hmm. But we really, really have a need to place these kids.
3: Well, I'm glad I asked you then because I, I, will, I will on my travels and maybe do a little feature on that because I, I was wondering exactly about that question, where they go because when they feel when they are rejected there are actually very very few places for them because we're we're talking about children that are a little bit older and yeah that nobody seems to want them anymore and i find that very very sad well, absolutely we it, have it one
0: entire residential campus with those kids as a focus right. well if yeah.
3: i could be there and volunteer there that would just you know because they uh, they they need to know that they can make it even absolutely if, yeah Don't... you know i always say that even if i didn't belong in my family my biological home in pakistan or my adopted home in the netherlands i still belong to me and i'm still worthy to live and belong in this society
2: 100
0: percent. unfortunately
2: oh. we've gone over time but <laughs> you know you, you, you know what i'm sensing I, I i'm sensing that maybe in may if if we could set it up uh gabriella this sounds like a uh, a good episode for the tv show uh for your dare to be kind tv show i do so, too yes i see Totally. So let's all get together and talk about that. Uh, Again, Cher, I just want to thank you so much. Uh, And again, for everybody out there, uh, you can go to the uh, TrinityYS.org website to get more information or go to answersforthefamily.com. Uh, Cher, thank you so much. Uh, I really want Thank wanna... you
0: so much for having me.
2: Yeah, um, and just keep up the good work. <laughs> Gabriella, the same, keep up the good work. Um, and so for everybody out there, uh, be with us next week uh, when we're going to have our guest will be Lee McCormick, who is the author of The Heart Reconnection Guidebook. So with that, for everybody, be good human beings and be with us next week on Answers for the Family.
1: You're listening to Answers for the Family with Alan Mardoza, right here on LA Talk Radio.